Hello again and welcome to another episode of College Football Down Under. My name is Aaron Kemp and as always I am joined by Will Murden. Now Will, we're a day late, we're a buck short, we're not writing the report. No, but we are a little bit late on this one so um, welcome mate. How are you feeling after a really, really entertaining weekend of college football? It has been an excellent weekend of college football, long weekend here in Australia for a number of states, so we've been enjoying ourselves, that's our excuse for being a little bit late, we wanted to enjoy our Sunday evenings doing whatever it is that we do, I'm not sure what you were getting up to, but I've been having a bit of fun this weekend, so uh, we're good to go now though, Uh, a bit of extra prep time too, so I'm expecting this one to be real sharp. Yeah, I mean, it should be, obviously, uh, and I feel super relaxed. I got a bit of a massage, so I'm, I'm feeling, I'm feeling loose. I'm feeling good. That's good. I can sense it in your voice. You feel good. Yeah. You sound good. Oh, that's good. That's good. Um, we've got a massive show to get to because wow, were there some entertaining games? There were records kind of broken all over the place. Uh, there were highly ranked teams that have now gone down that will now no longer be involved in the playoff at the end of the year. We've got teams jumping out of really insignificance and maybe putting their hand up for conference significance and also to be looking to be ranked as well. So there's a whole bunch of stuff we've got to get to. We've got to get 360s. Uh, Aussies in action. We've got bold predictions. We've got to go on the punt as well and hit up those special, hilarious moments in our rewind as well that happened throughout the weekend. So let's not hang around any longer. And let's get our butts into gear. So we've got to make this sharp, Will. All right, Texas are definitely not back. Sam Ellinger tries to play the hero again, but comes up short. Oklahoma don't have a Heisman quarterback, and they get cut down in back-to-back weeks. What does this mean for the Sooners, Will? Yeah, massive upsets this weekend, and the Sooners are done. They've dropped two games uh, in consecutive weeks for the first time in what feels like forever. Uh, They've now lost to Iowa State and Kansas State for only the second time ever within the same season, the last time being sometime in the 1930s so this is just it like it's it's unheard of really to, to see this sort of thing happen uh, you'd feel bad if you were on one side of that in the punt and I'm sure we're going to touch on that later uh, I kind of I want to get that off my chest early I'm, I'm fucking dirty about that bloody Oklahoma they are now done and the big 12 as a whole now essentially rests with Oklahoma State, the last undefeated team in the Big 12, all of three weeks in. Yay, Big 12, they're a mess at the moment. UCF lose at home for the first time in a long, long time, going down to Tulsa, who are not a very good football team. They did, yes. So we had eight top 25 teams lose across the weekend, six of them losing to unranked sides. Uh, And, I mean, you're wrong. Tulsa are a very, very good football team. They're going to go on to do great things this year. The only loss on their schedule so far is probably going to turn out to be a pretty good one. But UCF <laughs> would certainly be disappointed in that. Uh, you got If you're going to talk the all the smack about being the best team in Florida, you certainly got to back it up against the second best team in Oklahoma. <laughs> Mississippi State can't back up their win and they go down to Arkansas that's one of the ranked teams that go down uh, we'll get to Pig Suey later Texas A&M no match for Alabama Georgia show up on a national stage anything else will 
No, I'm happy to see Arkansas get a win. That's the first win in 20 SEC games they've had. So it's a proud football team, a once very strong SEC football team that's really been struggling of late. So good to see them get back in and amongst it. You have now caught up with everything in college football, unless there's anything else you would like to add. No, what, a, what an awesome weekend. All right, news time. There is a few little bits and pieces. I know Will's got a little gem to drop for us. So we do hit some news. I don't have anything too exciting, except that the SMU student section gets ejected due to COVID violations. Jack Cohn for the Wisconsin starting quarterback is out indefinitely. And that's about all I've got, Will. That's what you've got. All right, so for me, for the first time ever in the AP poll uh, history, the ACC have got four teams now ranked in the top 10. First time ever. Hey, it's because it's the best conference in football. It's because they got Notre Dame added to it. But hey, you take it. Happy days. Yeah, I'd- I mean, it looks and it looks suit. Well, it looks even more SEC heavy than anything because you got three of the top four uh, SEC teams, which is based on this weekend or the last couple of weeks. Probably fair enough. Yeah, real I hard to suspect. argue. Yeah, I'm normally I am trying to, you know, just really bring the SEC down a peg, but pretty hard to argue at this point in time. I think as well, we're finally into this season to the point where we can start. I know we said last week judging teams, but after seeing Mississippi State go up and down, after seeing teams like Baylor go up and down, uh, we actually have a real sense of how these teams are and where they sit now. So this is really, really interesting and intriguing and exciting moving forward because I believe based on this week, as we head into some game recaps in just a second, that the top end of college football is not actually as strong. Even Clemson, I don't think, is as strong as they have been in year past. Alabama don't have the quarterback they've had in years past. And then that next team up, whoever that might be, clearly has got some sort of flaw. We thought LSU were going to take a step back, and they have. Georgia is still trying to work out their quarterback position. Florida's defense, pass rush, defense against the run has been mediocre at best. So there's a lot of teams with a lot of issues. So it's, it's really gearing up to be a really exciting year. Well, that's good, though. If you think you are starting to get a handle on some of these teams, we've still got the Big Ten and the Pac-12 to throw in, and we've got no <laughs> fucking clue what they're doing. So yeah. this season is All just right. the gift that keeps on giving. Exactly. All right, let's jump in then to the Big 12. Uh, to me, the Big 12 are predictably unpredictable. Uh, in this particular year at least, and we are going to start with TCU and Texas. Time, he's hit and knocked backwards, and TCU says they fumbled. TCU says they have the ball. I think he lost the ball when he tried to go up and over. Ellinger is walking off the field. And the Horn Frogs recover it. Wow! Holy cow, what a play. Well, there you have it. Keontae Ingram fumbles at the one-yard line as Sam Ellinger leads that final drive. TCU uh, kind of managed to run off the clock and concede a safety on the last play of the game. And TCU have got a massive stranglehold over this particular rivalry. Will, what is going on with Texas football? I mean, Gary Patterson has that team sorted out. They've now won, what is it, six of the last seven against 
Texas. So not much of a rivalry when you look at it that way. And it's a bit ridiculous that we didn't kind of speak more to that going into it because you look back on the stats and it's quite damning for Texas. So they have certainly been super disappointing on the defensive side of the ball all year and that has continued in this one. They gave up 226 yards on the ground and they, they need to be dialing into that. They needed to make Max Duggan beat them through the air as a quarterback, which he has kind of struggled to show. He's, he's been patchy in that, and he never really had to in this one. They, they knew they could rely on running the, the game. Texas, if, if you play with fire, you're going to get burned. And last week, they should have been. They somehow managed to pull themselves out of that fire and, and save the win. And then this week, I was expecting them to follow it up with some sort of urgency, with, with something more, so with being able to tackle. And, and they just... Yeah consistently are letting themselves down in that facet of the game. Uh, so they'd be super disappointed. It's not a good look for the Big 12 uh, for them to go down. But, hey, good for TCU. I don't, I don't want to, you know, walk away from their efforts and, and what they've been able to do. Gary Patterson's a very good head coach. You know I've got a lot of time for what he runs there. And he, again, comes up trumps against the Longhorns. Yeah, he does. And and Texas have got to be really scratching their head. Where does this leave Tom Herman? I think Sam Ellinger is a really good quarterback and I've been impressed with what he has done this year. But Chris Ash has got to be the massive disappointment. And I know we can. he's the defensive coordinator that came over um, and you know he's trying to get this tackling machine happening and they wanted to get more of a pass rush, which they've done on some level. But their ability to bring a ball carrier to the ground has been really disappointing. And, you know, again, you can lean into, oh, COVID and it's hard to install a new system, rada, rada, rada. But Georgia doesn't have any problems tackling, you know, like Clemson don't have problems tackling. I know you've got the same guy, but tackling is an attitude and Texas have got an issue at the moment. All right, let's move on because I've got no doubt this episode's going well over an hour. If we keep this under, I'll be impressed. There's so many good games to get to. Pushing on, Iowa State and the Sooners. And that would be the way the score remains. 37 to Iowa State. They upset the Sooners just a touchdown behind on 30 points. Uh... After Brees Hall scores that go-ahead touchdown, the defense picks off Spencer Rattler in the end zone as he throws into double coverage. And the clones wipe out any chance the Sooners have of going to the playoff. What is going on with Oklahoma? Same question that I had for Texas. Well, yeah, I mean, if we thought Texas's tackling was poor, the Oklahoma Sooners were just... Uh awful in that in that last quarter especially when you need to stand up when the game's on the line they were just getting bounced off of and, and not laying anything and and i watched this game in its entirety and i was kind of on you my other sc- you had a vested uh, interest on my other screen i had the georgia auburn game going and honestly it was like watching a different sport watching the sooners play defense compared to the georgia side like when they got down in the red zone, one team was kind of there, but you know it never looked like they were going to make a stop. Where Georgia, on the other hand, were just they were the hammer hitting the nail, and and I feel like it, the nail was kind of destroying the hammer in this other one. It was 
it was a weird one to watch from an Oklahoma team because you just expect better from them. Like, yes, do you? Nev- defensively, do oh, you? Better than that, absolutely. They they never have really stacked up on the national scale from a defensive side, but within the Big Twelve, they've always been up there in the top three. That you expect more <laughs> from them. They do get good athletes coming into to that program. They they recruit at a high level. They play good football, and yes, they outscore teams, but. You expect more than what you saw there, and and it was fundamentals that fell down. And another one where Spencer Rattler as well, when the moment got big, he did not. And we're putting a lot on a young kid, but he's a kid that came in with a lot of hype about him. So he's going to wear that, and he has to. He'd be disappointed. I'm, I'm reading a lot of people coming out and saying, you know, it's not on him. There's got to be part of it that has to be, you know. It's Oklahoma of been really really lucky with the guys that they've come had come through there the last three years being established players who've then come across as transfers stepped in and been able to perform at a an elite level he has not come in and done that for them and now they fall to one and two for the first time since god knows when yeah i i have also been really disappointed with oklahoma i don't think they're that much different to the teams they've been in the past the only big issue is that spencer rattler's not a freak and he's not getting them out of the holes that jalen hurts or kyla murray got them out of uh when that when on the rare occasion those holes did or they did find themselves in those holes but I, i also don't think they're struggling in the backfield to get a consistent running game going and really loosening up that defense for to allow spencer rattler some time and and some one-on-one matchups they're asking him to carry a lot of the load and and he's not this experienced transfer quarterback this is his first three starts of college football and if it's another like i come down very harshly on sam howe because i expect we expect these guys now with johnny football and and james winston winning heismans as you know first year players at the quarterback position we expect these freshmen to come in and do a really good job and and they don't always do that. Like there's a learning, there's a growth period and he'll be better for it. But we're also concerned about their wide receiver play, uh, losing so many guys and Jaden Hazelwood going down earlier in the year. And they just haven't been able to free up that that offense. It just seems out of sync at the moment. And, and that is partly positional or the skill position guys, but certainly Spencer Rattler being able to read the field consistently well and and being able to execute when he needs to execute because he's just torching the ball too often. Yeah, I um, certainly what does agree this mean with for you. What does this mean for the Big 12 then? Where are they at? Is this just Oklahoma State or bust this year now? The, that seems to be the narrative that's developing, but I think we're still too early for that. I, I think there's a lot of football to be played out, and I don't expect that the... Big 12 will be the only conference to start to cannibalize itself. I expect the SEC to kind of beat up on each other. Like, you're going to see Florida and Georgia play each other. You're going to see Alabama drop a game somewhere, just because that's the sort of year that it is. You don't have the depth. There's so much turmoil. We're already seeing it this year. Like, college football is always a crazy game because it's played between by a bunch of 20-year-old kids who are, by nature, all over the shop. And, and, and that's kind of what you see. But this year, it just seems to be at another level. And, and we can expect to see that. So I'm not willing to rule them off yet or just say, you know, hopes are only with Oklahoma State. There's, there's still a lot of football to be played out. But certainly, there's, they've put themselves right up against the ropes here. All right, money where your mouth is. Will a Big 12 team make the playoff? 
If I had to bet on it, I'd say no. Okay. All right, let's move to the only chance the Big 12 has left then in the Oklahoma State Cowboys as they beat up on Kansas 47-7. to Now, Spencer Sanders didn't play in this game again, but the your Cowpokes have now got a week off to get him right before they go into a tricky three-week bracket where I think they've got Iowa State, Texas, and Baylor maybe. Um, so a little bit of a, a, a sneaky gauntlet here that the Cowpokes are going to have to get themselves to. But Chuba Hubbard appeared to get a bit more right, and that defense only allowed that touchdown in the last quarter. So um, is this more about Oklahoma State or more about Kansas? It's a bit of both. It was a game that I think Oklahoma State needed after the first two openers that were quite ugly uh, wins, but certainly not pretty on the offensive side of the ball. The defense continued to play lights out. They gave up one late. Could have been a shutout for them. Uh, and then offensively, I think they kind of put the the cue in the rack at a halfway through the third in this one. Um, Chuba and Tylan Wallace put up big numbers in the first half, and, and that was enough for them to kind of coast on. Really good reps for Shane Illingworth, the true freshman quarterback to come in and take while Spencer Sanders is out. Like He really showed a lot in that game, which was good because through the first couple, he's only really been handing the ball off and, and has looked a little bit patchy. So he will certainly grow from that. Uh, and yeah, a good result. But Kansas, man, their junior college football team at the moment. Mm. All right, K-State won over Texas Tech 31-21. I'm going to say we kind of called this, probably not in the fashion that we would have thought, but K-State did put the stranglehold on that Texas Tech offense, slightly in an unlucky fashion for the Red Raiders, but the Wildcats back up their win against Oklahoma, which was always going to be a little bit of a danger game because we, we know that Texas Tech can score points. But Alan Bowman didn't finish the game. He got knocked out with a lower leg injury. Oh, I'm sounding like a proper, proper like American <laughs> sportscaster. Not a specific muscle or bone, just a lower leg injury. Um, and Skylar Thompson, also the Wildcats quarterback, didn't make it through either. Um, got more concerns for Texas Tech as Alan Bowman has proved he can't stay healthy consistently. Um, but K-State, a good win to back up their indifferent start, I suppose, with a, a loss to a not-good team and then a win over a supposedly good team and then backing that up with a Texas Tech win. Yeah, I mean, you can't even call that an indifferent start. It's a it's an awful start considering yeah. what they've been able to do on the back of that. Like, they should have easily been able to account for an Arkansas State team. And if they had of, which they should have, then they'd be looking pretty. 3-0, and Big 12 not... Like, not... They're, they're a team that is potentially making a case to push into the top 15. Obviously, that's not the case because they did lose to Arkansas State and that's that's punted their season. They're not going to be able to make any noise from that. So they'd be super disappointed in that. I thought that they might come undone in this game uh, and they managed to really pull it together. Alan Bowman is, as you mentioned, like it appears like he's made from glass. He's a, he's a hell of a player. Uh, I like how he goes about slinging the ball around, but he went down, was it midway through the first in this, and Texas Tech just really took a bit of time to get going after that. They didn't put up any points in the first half, tried to fight bravely in the second, but were never really in this contest. And they're kind of what they have been for a long time now, a a team that's going to be pesky and around the mark, but certainly not 
not putting themselves forward as a uh, a really really good football program. Oh, harsh. I think like if if you do struggle with a Sunbelt team, just go and play Oklahoma because that's <laughs> going to make you feel better about yourself. <laughs> Uh, the last game, which Will picked as being the the most entertaining game of the weekend in the Big 12, was West Virginia and Baylor, and what a snooze fest that was. It somehow got to double overtime. That would have been like uh, watching, I don't know, something exceedingly boring uh, occur for just hours and hours and hours on end. It would have been torturous. I did not watch a single second of this game, but West Virginia did get over the top of Baylor 27 to 21. Uh, supposed to be interesting, and it really wasn't. I think it, you're being a bit harsh on this one here. It was backwards and forwards. Uh, a lot of... <sighs> like really high scoring, 14 all at at uh, full time that's really that's big 12 football for you right there well now that the defensive screws are really getting turned on in the big 12 and, and those programs that know like are, are really i mean west virginia are one of the better defensive teams in the big 12 baylor new headman dave aranda would pride itself on defense there is a an interesting swing of the pendulum where they are oh, trying to pride God. themselves more on defense i think you're probably being a bit harsh about this one here. It was uh, a tactical contest where they, they went toe-to-toe. Um, but, you know, Letty Brown put in uh, a decent showing for West Virginia uh, after a, a good game the week before as well uh, against Oklahoma State. He carried the ball a lot, managed to get in a couple of times. Uh, and, you know, West Virginia will be thrilled with this win. Uh, it, they... Uh, now go to two and one and are right in the mix for the Big 12. What we what we kind of have been focusing on is talking about the national scene and making the playoffs. What's still very much at play this year is a Big 12 championship. And you, for you, the, don't, you don't care about this. If you're not winning, if you're not in the national playoff, then who cares? Your words. When do, no, I'd never say that. Big 12, <laughs> as an Oklahoma State fan... That's kind of the best we get to shoot for is the Big 12. We, anything outside of that is just gravy. But like this really opens the door for these programs, West Virginia, Kansas State, Oklahoma State, like teams that aren't Oklahoma to win the Big 12 now. This is your shot. So all of these guys would be clamoring to do it. And uh, that's certainly one of those coin flips that they've come out on top of. So they're going to be thrilled. All right, that takes us through the Big 12. Well done, Will. You've covered off on your conference extremely well. So fantastic job. We'll jump across to the SEC now as Georgia absolutely throttled Auburn. 99 to tight end. Think they'll run left again behind the big man. 600 pounds of lead blocker. White says, let's do this all night. This is fun. Second touchdown for Zeus, and Georgia has blown this one wide open. 24 zip between the hedges. It was 24 zip. That got extended to 27 to 6. Uh, Zamir White punched in two touchdowns to ice an extremely comfortable victory in the first half for Georgia. I really hope that the 600 pound of lead blocker there was two guys. Can <laughs> like you've got the visual in front of you. Was it two? It was two. Okay, yes. good, good. I know they've got them big down there in the SEC, but <laughs> my word. 
Um, so Stenson Bennett also had a good game. He was solid at the quarterback position as JT Barrett did not play in this one, but he got his first start and he was really solid. This JT game Daniels. What did I say? JT Barrett. It wasn't JT Barrett. He finished a long time ago. <laughs> um, From the, the archives. Game, yeah, I have. And not playing for a totally different conference. Anyway, <laughs> uh, this game fizzled to a close as there are only six second half possessions, three for each team. So the air got taken out of this one. And compare that to the first half where they had 12 possessions. My natural instinct, Will, is to get on board. My boy Joe Nix. Was he that bad? Was Bo Nix this bad? Or is George, is this Georgia defense the number one defense in the country? And are they that elite? Uh, it's a combination of both. So yes, Georgia's defense is elite. They are a very good outfit. And as I mentioned earlier, they're better than anything that you're going to see in the Big 12, the ACC, like anywhere else. Like These guys are legit and they're going to give every quarterback that comes up against them absolute fits. That said... Bo Nix needs, need, like this was his opportunity. He needs to show in a big time game that he can stand up and do something. And he certainly didn't do that in this one. Auburn were super disappointing here. This was never really a game. Uh, and, and that's kind of all, all that they would have wanted. Well, they, they want to win, but they certainly don't want this sort of one-sided smashing to really go home and, and be embarrassed about. Yeah, I mean, Joe Nix only had 50 yards passing in the first half, finished with 177, but the blame doesn't solely fall on him. That Auburn O-line was getting absolutely trashed, particularly on the edges. Uh, Bo Nix was running for his life the entire time, and the Tigers only put up 216 yards of total offense. They're struggling to run the ball. The O-line getting smoked again. I am really, really nervous about Gus Malzahn's future. I think he has to be... This hot seat needs to be getting prickly warm for him because we've seen this in back-to-back years now, an inability to hang with the big boys and get any kind of offense going. On top of that, you do have a quarterback that I just don't think is very good. Yep, not fair. On on the other side, for Georgia, I, I will say one thing. It's not often that you walk away from a comfortable victory like this against a ranked opponent and have concerns, but I do for this team around that quarterback position. Stetson Bennett has shown bits and pieces. Like he, He's looked pretty good. He, he, he was decent on the weekend and certainly more than serviceable for them, but he doesn't feel like the guy that they're committed to. And not I don't having... Think they are. Well, but I think it's one of those things that's going to drag on. That he, mm. he did enough to win that starting job and to continue playing in that spot. And they'll do it until things maybe start to go a little sideways. And then they're going to throw in a new guy into the mix and expect him to be that lighter fluid for them to get them going again. And that's an unfair spot to throw anyone into. So I just worry that without having an established go-to guy that you're backing in that you know is your number one is going to be in a, a bit of an Achilles heel for these guys. It's interesting. Sounds like the Chicago Bears, actually. So um, <laughs> That's probably where that assessment's yeah, I, come from. Yeah, I don't from. disagree. I mean, quarterbacks are more 
<laughs> quarterbacks are more changeable in college football potentially than than the NFL and I think waiting on JT Daniels will be uh, a big area or, or that big waiting game for them because I think he is good um, and then they've got Dwan Mathis waiting in the wings as well but he wasn't great in his first start but you just need serviceable um, you know game managers and and sense and Bennett I think is that and maybe fractionally above if he if he plays well but don't turn the ball over turn around and get it to Zamir White and then let that defense go to work. I think the other thing that has to be a massive concern is Auburn's defense, which I thought um, a week ago actually played okay, but they got pushed around today. That Georgia offensive line had their way. So again, you look at both of the trenches, football's one in the trenches. Georgia absolutely asserted their dominance in that area. and, And this is the result you get I don't think Auburn are good. I'm, I am certainly patting myself on the back for this one because I just don't think Auburn are very good. No, good call, mate. Thank, thanks, <laughs> thanks for that. Uh, all right, let's move on to probably the most entertaining game of the weekend. Moving back and forth. Corral looking that way. Touchdown! Moore across the formation. Starting to return. And then come back right out, right back out. You can see Yusuf Corker, who was the traveler. And there's the game right there as Luke Logan kicks the extra point and Lane Kiffin gets his first victory. Yeah, Old Miss outlast Kentucky in overtime, 42-41. to 41. Matt Ruffalo missed an extra point after uh, Chris Rodriguez dived in from the one-yard line to give the Wildcats a six-point lead. The, the extra point missed. Matt Corral hit Elijah Moore for a three-yard touchdown, which we just heard. And Luke Logan didn't make the same mistake as his kicking counterpart in blue unfortunately did a highly entertaining game will i don't think anyone predicted this scoreline but let's start with old miss yeah i mean this was backwards and forwards all day and a really really enjoyable spectacle i mean i I had this one on and was really impressed with both sides offensively it was that clash of styles that we said we were gonna see but they mixed it up. There was playmaking happening all over the field. Uh, Old Miss and, and Lane Kiffin must be really happy with what they've been able to achieve so far, taking it up to a Florida team and whilst not walking away with the win there, looking really dangerous offensively and, and then being able to back that up and, and get the win against Kentucky here is it was, is a massive one for them. So Matt Corral had a, a really, really impressive day going for over 300 yards and four touchdowns and was super efficient, something like 24 of 29 or, or something yeah. of that nature. Um, just, just awesome. I so, want to jump in there because Matt Corral was, had a really weird recruitment. I don't know if you remember this. He's a former five-star kid, had a lot of troubles, was trying to commit to both Florida. I think he committed to Florida at one point. I think he tried to tried to commit to Miami and he was committed to another big school. But the, there was a few issues, some behavior stuff, some drinking, um, I think was mentioned. I don't, again, this is speculation. I don't know how much of it is true, um, but there were certainly teams walking away from him because he was a concern. But since then, he's kept his head down and he plays with a massive chip on his shoulder. He's intense. He's dynamic. Uh, I love the way he goes about it. And, and in saying that, he's kept pretty quiet. 
he's not running his mouth. He's not doing anything crazy, uh, but just going out there and letting his his play do the talking for him. So I'm 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 a massive massive fan. I don't want to say he's got a little bit of like Johnny Manziel in him, but he you know certainly moves in a very dynamic, purposeful. Um, he, he he just goes about it with real intent. And I loved watching him play. I thought he was fantastic. Yeah, no, uh, on, I have to agree. I have to agree with you. He's, he's eye-catching at that quarterback position. Uh, yeah. And, like, he is, he's a true dual-threat guy as well. Massively. And you just he's super competitive. Like, he'll get in there and mix it up. If, if a running back needs help crossing the goal line, he'll get in there and he'll get in his shorts with him and push him across the goal line. He'll lay a block on somebody. So, But when Kentucky went up by two scores in the third quarter and then stoned Old Miss on fourth and goal, I just assumed it was going to be a wildcat win especially after they moved the ball so easily over 400 yards on the ground and controlled the game for large chunks of time. I think Stoops, the coach at Kentucky, has got to come away feeling really, really disappointed that they couldn't get the win in this one. And, and it did feel like Kentucky controlled the game for for, for majority of it from the outset. They, uh, you got to win these ones, I think. Yeah, I mean, they controlled it, but without ever getting away. Like They, yeah. they controlled it because they were running the ball so well. Uh, they, yeah. they were just chunking off eight, ten-yard carries uh, all the time. And, and that was working for over them. 100 yards. Ter- Terry Wilson, the quarterback, ran in three himself. And, and he was good through the air as well. I think that they found that balance not, nicely. He went for 150 yards through the air, didn't turn the ball over there. So... I, yeah, it it was a, a really good game to watch, and yeah. Um, yeah, nothing too crazy in this one either. Sometimes you get these games and they are just wild. It wasn't too wild; it kind of played out. But coming back to Ole Miss, just just on a final note, I think with Corral, Jerry and Ely, who's a sophomore, Jonathan Mingo, who's a sophomore wide receiver, and had a big day. And then depending if Elijah Moore, he'll probably go to the NFL. But if he returns for his senior year, there is a really good nucleus of offensive players in that Old Miss locker room. And with Lane Kiffin calling the shots, they will be dangerous next year. Cool. All right, let's go to what was supposed to be another big game of the weekend. Alabama 52 defeated Texas A&M 24. The tide controlled this one from the outset. Mac Jones to John Mechie was the connection that broke the game open early and when Alabama scored two TDs in the last two minutes 30 of the opening half. The first of Kellen Mond pick six and the second was an eight play 59 second drive that resulted in a Devonta Smith touchdown. This game was done and dusted at that point. There's a few interesting numbers I'll get to in just a second, but your initial thoughts on this one, Will. My first one is who who the hell is John Mechie? And yeah. oh. how is he blowing up? I mean, we all know <laughs> Jalen Waddle, Devonta Smith. Exactly right. And then they've got this other bloke who just goes wild for them. Oh, it was That was insane. So this Alabama team are as good as advertised. Uh, on the flip side of that, Texas A&M, this was an opportunity for Jimbo Fisher to show his teams ready to compete in the SEC West. I mean, they were, they were always going to be up against it. It's, it's a hell of a road trip. No one's going in against this team into their house and, and being favourite. Like mo- Most teams aren't looking at you know a, a touchdown line there in the whole country so they're, they're up against it but they weren't competitive like 
they're, they're playing a, they're playing at a different level. They're not where Florida and Georgia are. Like they're they're a proper rung below that, and they're not supposed to be. They're, they're supposed to be at that point now where they've taken that step forward. They're, they're trying to challenge this Alabama side dynasty, whatever you want to call it, and and they ain't there. So well, it's ca- interesting if you look at if you look at just the stats. You'd almost think that this game was closer than it was because Texas A&M outgained Alabama on the ground, 115 yards to 109. Not big days rushing, admittedly. Alabama ran only 55 offensive plays. Compared that to A&M, 77. And the Aggies had the ball for nearly 38 minutes compared to Alabama's 22. But clearly none of this mattered. And I think that shows a reflection that Mac Jones went down the field often and early and with success um, he could have even had a bigger bigger day did miss on a couple of deep balls but he hit more than he missed and Kellen Mond was unspectacular and disappointing despite his stat line yeah it was a bit of a coming out party for Mac Jones I thought we we mentioned this in the lead-in episode that he's probably one of the most underappreciated quarterbacks at the college football level and I think he Put what he can do on display in this one. He's got the bevy of weapons around him. They have to respect the run game with Najee Harris out of the backfield there. So he's going to get some good looks and and he took them. And and the guys are explosive enough that if he can hit someone in stride, that's it. Game over. Yeah, for sure. And Alabama continue to roll. I don't think there's anything to be too concerned about with them. It was interesting to see them air it out in a non- play action-y I mean there were still elements of play action there obviously as well but a little bit different with two it was rollouts and half rolls and letting him create a little bit with Mac Jones they just called straight up deep pass plays and and he hit them so keep rolling Bama and, and hopefully they do get a game that is a bit more competitive somewhere in the future pushing along Arkansas 21 hold down that bulldog offense of mississippi state that can only muster 14 uh so admittedly one of those 20 or one of those touchdowns of that three for arkansas was a pick six so the offense for arkansas and felipe franks only managed two touchdowns but the Razorbacks end a 20-game skid in the SEC, which you mentioned. KJ Costello threw three picks. They had a fumble, two red zone turnover on downs, and Mississippi State come crashing and back down to earth after their win against LSU. This is the full Mike Leach experience. This is it. You've seen it in two weeks. Welcome, Bulldog fans. That's it. This is the roller coaster that you ride with that air raid. Uh, and I fully expect to see across his entire tenure here. So it's always going to be must watch. And, and we mentioned that in the preview episode of this game. You kind of dismissed it a bit saying, oh, you won't have to worry about it. No, yeah, you do. You, you, you don't know what you're going to get with these air raid games. And cr- full credit to Arkansas. They went in with a game plan. And, and it was quite clear that they were dropping eight in coverage. Like a lot of zone. Almost all zone. the time. And yeah. KJ Costello was not handling it very well. Like it really disrupted his rhythm. He was struggling to get anything going down the field with that. Uh, and then when they were relying on it being underneath, Arkansas were playing sound, fundamental football, hitting the tackles that they need to hit, keeping it all in front of them and, and did enough to get the win there. So 
they'd, they'd be thrilled with that. It's it's just a crazy old season that we can expect where you know a team comes in, knocks off the defending national champ, and then loses to a, a team that hasn't beat a conference opponent in three years. So yeah, the, I mean the recipe looks to be out, and all the the talk was Barry Odom. You know he coached against him in the Big Twelve and rah 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 and. They would just play a lot of zone defense and make them dink and dunk their way up the field, which in this air raid at times just doesn't hold up and they want to get those chunk plays and they couldn't. Uh, so, yeah, you've surmised that really well there, William. It's the same uh, thing if you're playing me in NCAA. Uh, just just keep it all in front of me there. Don't let me get over the back on those posts and, and you'll be fine. You'll destroy me. Dude, I throw that many picks the other day. I mean, I think I mentioned this to you, but I'm not a big like uh, PS or any kind of game console like remote thrower when things aren't going my way. And English Jess hasn't witnessed when I do, if, if and when I do rage out. Uh, I lost to Western Michigan and the remote start or the controller traveled and she was horrified that another that a, a human at my age could still behave like this. Yeah, I'm on the other side of that. I've been through a good half dozen controllers <laughs> myself, and like it is quite the shameful thing you get when the other half kind of walks in the room mid rage, like hears it go against the the coffee table or whatever it is, and just like have a fucking look at yourself. And it's just like a real internal shame that you have to live with. Yeah, and then like 20 seconds later, it, it all you feel is embarrassment. Now that the rage is gone, it is just yeah. embarrassment and crying into uh, my forearm as I lose to Western Michigan. All right, <laughs> let's move along. Florida 38 defeats South Carolina 24. Gee, Florida looked more beatable than last week. Uh, two turnovers, a couple of punts. The offense didn't quite get into sync. Um, but to me, it was the defense that looked really, really poor. An inability to stop the run and the pass rush is missing for Florida. So that defense is going to need to tidy up um, as they jump into the mix with Georgia in a few weeks. Yeah, absolutely. It's that side of the ball where they've got concerns. I think Kyle Trask has showed out again. It, it wasn't a one-week one day. It wasn't uh, you know, something that they need to be concerned about. He's looking really good. Now he needs that other side of the ball to support him and this side as they hope to head up the East and, and be real challengers in the SEC. Uh, Kyle Pitts as well, the other one, uh, the tight end that I'm sure you heard of with his, what was it, three touchdown catches in week one. He's just showing out like, like mm -hmm. no other. Like he is that far ahead of the next tight end in terms of profile, uh, I think. Is he? I, I, absolutely. Is he? In, in, ter in terms of profile, like I'm not talking pro prospects or yeah. just pure, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. pure play. Fair. I'm just talking like tight end profile at this level. People, yeah. very few people might know Brevin Jordan or, or a few <laughs> others kicking around, but everyone's going to know Kyle Pitts by the end of this year because they're going to use him as the focal point as their yeah. receiving option in that offense, and they're going to be a very good team. So I think uh, he, he is certainly a, a good He's one. He's got the John Mackey Award. Absolutely, because you know these awards are popularity contests. Uh, who was mm. the LSU DB who won the safety award? Uh, went to Cleveland, did his Achilles. Delpit, Grant yeah. Delpit. Popularity Award. No yeah, way he, he was not that safety. But hey, we're getting a little bit. He's the best safety on his own team. <laughs> Precisely. 
Um, what are your thoughts on South Carolina? I'm, I'm interested to hear this. I know you've never been big on Muschamp and his time there. I think things would certainly starting to wear a little thin. Do you think the COVID's going to buy him a bit of time or do you see him in uh, a bit of trouble there? Yeah, I think, you know, it, it was a classic like towards the end of the game where they needed to go fast and they, they had a seven-minute drive in the last quarter, went for it on fourth and weren't successful at the goal line with like two minutes left. Um, and he's like, oh, yeah, we still could have recovered an onside kick and, and, you know, we had timeouts in the bag, so we could have turned it over. And don't be wrong, there was a, an issue there as well on special teams. But, uh, like, that's not the way football's played anymore. Like, these, this stodgy, slow offense that he continues to employ. Yeah, he's a good defensive guy, but good defensive guy. Or just because you're a good coordinator doesn't make you a good head coach. I think we see it with... In the NFL all the time, Todd Bowles is a classic one at the moment who's got his defense working really, really well. He was a mess at the Cleveland Browns. And, um, you know, we see it with uh, offensive coordinators all the time. Who's the guy that I can't think of right now? Who's the... He was at Clemson and then went to SMU and he's of the Gus Malzahn tree and I can't think of his name. But really, really good offensive coordinator doesn't mean he's a good head coach. So uh, I think he's a good defensive guy. I'm concerned about South Carolina. I don't think he goes this year. I don't think they flick him. Uh, But because South Carolina have been unsuccessful for a long, long time, since the old ball coach was there and Steve Spurrier, you know, I don't think South Carolina can really uh, complain too much at this stage. I think they roll with Will Muschamp because he did get a little bit of offense going last last year. Um, but he's just another of a, a not top head coach, I think. Okay. I said a lot of words that didn't mean much. I think... <laughs> He will, he will stay. Uh, LSU 41, Crush Vandy 7. Uh, I don't know what that means. Not much. I guess LSU get back in the winner's circle after a disappointing week last week. Yes, they're much better. They looked better across the board in this one. A lot more of an LSU-like performance in this. So they'd be thrilled with that. And, you know, coming up against Vandy is, is something that all teams need to do when they're looking for a big bounce back. There you go. Tennessee, who are just going really nicely at the moment, cruised against Missouri. They haven't had, they haven't played anyone too overly stressful just yet, but they get over that one comfortably, 35 to 12. We know Missouri's offense is, you know, really, really down at the moment, but, you know, are Tennessee sneaky good? I still, jury's still out, certainly. This is a team, whilst we say we do know a bit more about some teams, I feel like Tennessee is still very much a wild card for me. I am yet to peg them. I will tell you one thing, though. I really like Eric Gray, watching yeah. him run the ball. He's, yeah. he's awesome. He's a smaller fella and just gets after it. He's one of those ones that, I don't know, you just, you just love watching carry the football. All right, let's move across to the ACC. I feel like we've been talking for hours on these games, but so much good stuff to get to. We'll start with NC State and Pitt. Angela gets a, and a Mezzi here at the bottom. That's a back. Oh, Mezzi who makes the catch. It touchdown for NC State against Jason Pinnock. And a Mecca, a 
Jazzy has come up with the score with 23 seconds left. Yeah, an amazing finish to that one. NC State need 13 last quarter points despite leading for most of the day somehow to beat Pitt 30-29. to 29. Devin Leary, as we just heard, hooked up with Emeka Mezzi with 23 seconds left, take a one-point lead and win at Pitt. And this was on a day when Pitt got some offense going for the first time in a long, long time. Kenny Pickett was airing it out all over the place, threw for over 400 yards, but it was their defense that couldn't make a stop at the end of the game. Wolfpack went for nearly 400 yards of total offense. Um, and so, you know, a really, really impressive win for Dave Dorian and, and Devin Leary as a quarterback who looks like a, a pretty good piece for NC State. I worry that Pitt were reading their own, a bit of their own press in the lead up to this one defensively because they were terrible. They, they were more than two touchdown favorites against a pretty piss poor NC State team coming off of their opener against Virginia Tech. I mean, that was a severely undermanned Virginia Tech team and they got blown out. Coming up against what was supposed to be a, a top defensive unit, some were saying best in the country, let's say top five. Then just to get blown up like that, to, to really struggle to put apply any sort of pressure in the backfield, which had been their hallmark, which, which had been where they'd been so strong so far, is super disappointing. And you got to know what you're about. You're not a team that's supposed to be airing it out. That's not what has done well for you. And this is such a pit thing to do, to lose this game. Like, I'm disappointed for them because it looked like what they had building was something that was going to be fun and, and you want to continue that on until you play Clemson and then it goes away. But you, you want to <laughs> you at least live that as long as you can. And now NC State have come in, ripped the rug out from underneath them and they go back to being a middle-of-the-rung ACC team who you know, are, are going to beat a team that they probably shouldn't and then will lose games that they should win. Like this one. Yeah, having said that, I want to come back onto that little piece though, like about the airing it out. It was the it was the passing game that got these guys back into the contest in the first place. They were down 17-7 partway through the second quarter and, um, you know, they were struggling to move the ball at all. They had less than 100 yards of uh, offense well into the second quarter. And to me though, it was actually NC State's defense and I keep pulling up yards as a measure of defense, and I really shouldn't because yards is one of the worst measures, in all honesty, of, of success of a defense because NC State conceded 500 yards on uh, of offense to Pitt, but they came up big in big moments. Ten tackles for loss compared to Pitt's six just made the difference and just pushes them behind the sticks enough, um, and then it comes down to who can make a play at the end, and um, Amazi does that. And NC State roll away with one of those unranked teams beating a ranked team on the road. All right, let's move on. Virginia Tech hold off Duke 38-31. The Hokies, man, you said they're underdone last week. They're not getting any better. Whole bunch of players, two staff missed. Um, they had to put the ball game on the back of Kansas transfer Khalil Herbert. He rushed for over 208 yards. He had two touchdowns. He had an 83-yard kickoff return that led to a touchdown. He had to pretty much do it all because 
their quarterback, um, Braxton Burmeister, went like nine for 27 or something. Horrific. Duke stopped turning the ball over as much, which is awesome. And when you do that, you can hang around in games. Um, but Virginia Tech are going to just be like scouring campus for some warm bodies that can play um, in Chapel Hill next week, I assume. Yeah, I don't know which way this goes for them. Either all the guys come back and they're a really dangerous team because they're now all immune to it too. Like they've, they've kind of turned into some <laughs> sort of superhumans and, and they're going to be super good. Or they just, they're not going to be able to get any sort of consistency going or work on anything. Just purely, they seem to be one of the most decimated teams in, in all the nation uh, and, and it's going to have an impact on them. So I feel bad for them because they were really primed this year to have a fair income crack at the ACC. And uh, unless, I mean, they can, but unless things start to turn for them, unless they start to get more of their guys available, they're going to struggle. And and it's really unfortunate. Yeah. We'll see. I still think Virginia Tech will be okay. I know Justin Fuente, the head head man there for the Hokies, said that uh, this has been the toughest week of coaching that he's had just in terms of who's available, who's not, managing this whole situation, managing players. Um, But, yeah, I I mean, eventually this uh, lack of players and this depth is going to cause issues. So we'll see how that goes against North Carolina next week, even though I think they're probably the better team. Ooh, controversial. Clemson. Clemson beat Virginia 41-23. Clemson win, move on to Miami next week. Anything to report there? No, people are saying that Virginia are kind of were around. They, they stuck around in this one. I don't think so. I, I think Clemson were always in control. Yes, it wasn't a blowout win, but Virginia are a respectable side. It was never going to be. that. Clemson did enough and executed well enough, and Trevor Lawrence and Travis Etienne showed that they are a class above. Uh, this team just continues to impress. Florida State were down at halftime to Jacksonville State, uh, but then they run away winners 41-24, to 24, so well done to the Seminoles. That's yeah, I, I was going to say Jacksonville State would be super disappointed with this one. Uh, they would have been super <laughs> confident going in, got off to a great start, up big at halftime, and then somehow this plucky team from Tallahassee managed to get some offense going, change of quarterback and manage to get over the, uh, what did we figure out they were, Jaguars or? No, I can't remember. That, this, is, this Jacksonville's in Alabama as well, not in Jacksonville, Florida. So that's why the Jaguar <laughs> thing works in this instance, I think. Okay. Uh, North Carolina, the last game, uh, are at Boston College. And they win this one 26-22. A bit of a strange scoreline, but that was because Phil... J- I've heard two different pronunciations. Jakovic, but I think it's Jerkovic, um, which sounds worse to me. But he had 56 <laughs> passes of the football past the line of scrimmage for BC. Now, that is not what they do. If Kenny Pickett and Pitt don't air it out, BC don't. They don't do that. They turn around and hand it to AJ Dillon. Now, he's not there anymore, obviously. So, they've just like, you know what? Fuck running the ball. That's not a thing. We're an air raid team now. So, BC decided to try and sling it all over the park with limited success. Uh, but Djokovic or Jerkovic threw a two-point... And you know, I'll come back to the name thing in a sec, but threw an interception on a two-point attempt, went back the other way, and that's why we've got a four-point buffer. Um, North Carolina haven't played since like mid-September, so a, a big, big break for them. 
and I know like I've heard two different pronunciations of names, but like there's definitely a right way to say someone's name. Like that's yeah. a thing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's not like an interpretation. <laughs> so I need to get my shit sorted. But North Carolina, not real pretty. Uh, again, uh, I, I still don't think very highly of the Tar Heels. I don't think they're ranked. What are they up to now? Number 12. So, yeah, I don't, I don't see no, it. No, they're like eight now, I think. They're, yeah. They're, they're inside the top 10. Sorry, they were 12 in this. I think they're up to eight. I've got it in front of me, so I'll bring that up. Um. Yeah, I mean, this one was tight too. Yes, they are in an eight. This was like that two-point conversion you're talking about was inside the last minute of the game to tie yeah. it up. That, yeah. that was to send this one into overtime essentially and they completely fucked it and sent it back the other way <laughs> to, to give up the two. But this could have easily gone the other way. I mean, Boston College were moving with a fair bit of momentum at that point too. Wouldn't have surprised me to see them knock them off if it did get into overtime. But hey, some, this is college football. You've got to win these games. So North Carolina survive and will now get smashed by Virginia Tech. <laughs> Good. All right, other scores we need to get to. A team that we have to mention, we've been talking about it, but BYU are undefeated. They beat Louisiana Tech on the weekend. They're playing some really good ball at the moment. There's a chance they run the table. The most difficult game left on their schedule is Boise State. But they're genuinely looking at an undefeated season. Zach Wilson was good last year, uh, but then kind of faded down the stretch as BYU kind of worked their way into insignificance. But he has been borderline spectacular. He went 24 for 26, over 300 yards and five total TDs on the weekend. BYU have got to be looking for their best finish in it in some years. How do we get BYU in the Big 12? It's looking for a bit of a credibility shot. So maybe if we could just get BYU in, <laughs> that would help. Because they, they are Who looking are you like booting a... though? This is the question. No, we've only got 10 teams. We could take as many as we want. Just <laughs> jump on board. Uh, but BYU are looking like a Power 5 team at the moment. Yes, they are playing against substandard competition, but that's what Power 5 teams do to substandard, or that's what they should do when they're playing the Sun Belt. So really impressed. As you mentioned, Zach Wilson's numbers are just mind-boggling at the moment about how efficient he is being. He's having one of those sorts of more uh, touchdowns than incompletions sort of deal, which yeah. is always cool to see. Uh, and he is going to start to get himself in the Heisman conversation. I don't think he's ever a shot at it, but he's certainly going to have an opportunity to put up numbers where he's going to start to get mentioned, which is pretty awesome for the coach. That is cool. I, I, I was on Zach Wilson last year. I feel like I get on some guys a little early. I, I see some some spark. Like, I'm on Matt Corral. What him just nuke himself for the rest of the mm -hmm. season? Um, but Zach Wilson has has come on really strong and good for him. Uh, SMU beat Memphis. Memphis were ranked 25 in the country. SMU uh, 30 to 27. Another really, really entertaining game. We both picked that one, I think. Um, we thought that Sonny Dykes offense and the Mustangs would get away from Memphis as they appear to have taken just a step back and Shane Bichelle, the former Texas transfer, uh, Played another really good game, and his experience led them over the top of the Tigers. Yeah, I mean, jumped them 24-3, to got, got out of the blocks hot, and then Memphis came back in a rush, and this is all in the first half. I think it was 24-20 by half time, and then obviously we only saw the, the two more scores after that, um, and... 
SMU would be thrilled with this victory. They are the most prolific offense in the country at the moment, so they're, they're good value to watch. Maybe they're the other team we can bring into the Big 12 to balance it out and get us our 12. Uh, they'd they're fit more right regionally, in. regionally in a better spot and geographically in a better spot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, I mean, they're one of the teams, them and TCU, who held it up for the state of Texas uh, over the weekend because they have not had a good weekend. Texas losing... Uh, I think UTSA went down, uh, the Houston Texans lost, the Dallas Cowboys lost, like everyone else in Texas lost. So SMU and uh, the Horn Frogs can hold their heads high. Yay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. Tulsa, we've mentioned this before, uh, beat UCF 34-26. to 26. 18 penalties for the Knights, two turnovers, and a heap of missed opportunities as Dylan Gabriel was his not normally efficient self or he was inefficient. That's horrible English. Uh, but UCF have got to be disappointed with that one. They're just used to churning out victories here, especially... Yeah, 34 points is okay, but UCF routinely go over that. Um, but they couldn't manage it this time against Tulsa, and well done to the Golden Hurricane. I mean, this game, in the first quarter alone, had five turnovers, two safeties, and 18 different possessions in the first quarter. What did you say they had in the back half of the, the Georgia-Auburn game? They had six, six possessions Six total. possessions in the half. This had... 18 in the first quarter just, just to give you a bit of a uh, bit of a stack up on where this was at. it was it was fireworks so awesome to see Tulsa come out on front UCF though would you say 18 penalties yeah. not many teams are going to be able to get over that so they'd be kicking themselves at this one that home winning streak uh, goes the way of the dodo and they're now going to have to rebuild and try to hope to win the American because that's all they've got left and staying in the American for one more somewhat entertaining game was Cincinnati and USF, that is South Florida. This wasn't entertaining on the scoreboard as Cincinnati get home 28-7. to What may have been a little bit interesting was the eight interceptions thrown in this game. Desmond Ritter had three and the two South Florida quarterbacks had five between them. So not a great outing for throwing the ball forwards, but... Cincinnati get over a pretty bad South Florida team. Yeah, I mean, throwing the ball to guys in your uniform's cool, but have you ever tried throwing it to the other guys? That is... <laughs> it's that an takes, option. That takes real skill. <laughs> All right, we are through. That is just four conferences that we've touched on today. We haven't even gone into the Sun Belt um, or visited Appalachian State. How are they going these days? I think they your... had an uh, off week. So they well, that's didn't what lose. you need for your bold predictions. <laughs> I think that one is All right, next. let's get into a rewind. We always like to pick some strange plays. So in terms of strange plays, I'm going with Aeneas Smith. Tiptoeing down the sideline for Texas A&M was a weird one. He scored on 47 yards um, out of the backfield, but managed to get everyone to think he was going out of bounds and everybody just kind of stopped and he just scuttled 
47 yards for a score. So that was a bit of a weird one. Um, the only other thing I've got, oh, actually, I'll get to mine. You've got a couple of good ones, Will, so talk us through them. Yeah, the, there's an interception you have to go back and look up. If you look at Clemson's highlights, uh, Andrew Booth Jr., the cornerback there, has gone up and managed to pluck this one-handed thing coming down. It is quite remarkable, so check that out. Uh, I've got AJ Rose in the Kentucky Old Miss game. This was early in the first quarter. Just this uh, Old Miss, I think, scored on their first possession, and then AJ Rose comes down the field, uh, breaks a 70-yard run or just over that that should have been a touchdown. But he started celebrating at least 25 yards out from the end zone, pointing to the crowd. He gets clipped and tackled short, uh, and then so they're first and goal from you know, about two yards out. They can't stuff it in. Then they give it to him in the Wildcat. Two plays later, from the Wildcat, he goes in as the lone back, tries to reach it across the end zone, fumbles, and they get zero points. They should have scored probably three times in that series, and they scored zero. So a really bad three-play series, but an interesting one to watch. Yeah, my man, what are you doing? Throwing up the Tyreek Hill peace sign? (laughs) Like, if you can run sub four three maybe you can do that otherwise the other dudes are fucking quick they're gonna catch you and you're gonna look like a fucking dick there were two two occasions of this over the weekend so there was the bloke at kentucky and then also one of the guys at abilene christian against army did the same thing up and down the sideline he didn't even get close to the end zone he like just got through and then started to throw it up and was just mowed down comfortably what are you doing mate these these guys, it's like the the old dropping the ball before crossing the line. Oh, yeah, like, yeah. What are you doing? That is a coach killer. Absolute oh. coach killer. Um, yeah, and then you <laughs> my, got one more? My other one I wanted to throw out that you have to check out is your team, uh, yes. the Campbell the Campbell Fighting Camels. I think they get way too much airtime on this pod. But what, what even conference are they in? They're playing only like they, Power they, 5 They just play Power 5 teams. They're like BYU, I think. They're an independent now. Um, <laughs> they, they deserve it if they're going to come up with stuff like this. They had a really cool double pass trick play that uh, you have to check out. Snap the ball. The entire O-line drops to the ground as if like in prone push-up position. Ball gets sent out to the left, then chucked back to the quarterback out the right, by which time the offensive linemen have stood back up and he's just in a paddock. Like he could walk, moonwalk his way into the end zone and pretty much does. It's, it's a cool one to check out. And the O-line actually didn't really touch any... Like he would have scored without the offensive line on that play. Well, they, could have, they could have stayed... Literally, like the center could come out and snap it. Everyone else could have sat in the bleachers and just cheered them on. <laughs> socially distanced appropriately they would have scored anyway all right let's push this bad boy forward aussies in action will um what have you got for us okay uh some really good efforts from our aussie boys ryan buchevsky and their disappointing loss had six punts at 45 yards against tcu which is a great effort james smith has been coming along the last couple of weeks very well for Cincinnati, and he's proving to be quite a weapon for them. So he had four at 46.8. Lucas Dean had six at 45. Matty Hayball was really impressive, uh, topping out at five of 47.6. So those are really, really strong numbers. Max Duffy just does his thing. He only had the three punts in that 
high scoring affair but he averaged 50 yards which was still the most of anyone in the country uh and Lockie Wilson the name that we haven't mentioned uh before had seven punts at 45.1 so that's a, a really solid outing for him he will be thrilled with that uh, at Tulsa in their big victory there. But our player of the week this week is uh, actually not going to a punter. I think this is a first for us. We uh, It's Alex Hale out at uh, Oklahoma State. So he's the kicker there for them this year. He's been perfect on the year so far, which is awesome to see because college kickers are certainly <laughs> often far from reliable, but he is... <laughs> He is really delivering at the moment, and he was perfect with four for four on his field goal attempts and five for five on his extra points. So he's put up 17 points himself, which would have comfortably accounted for what Kansas has done there. So he, he can be thrilled with that, and he walks away with our Player of the Week award. Cool. Have you got any other helmet stickers that you would like to dish out for week five? I'll quickly buzz on a couple uh, of the big numbers that we saw, but there was Shane Bouchelle who continues to absolutely light it up, went 474 yards and three touchdowns in their big win. Mac Jones to 20 of 27, 435 yards and four touchdowns. Awesome. Uh, carrying the football, did you see the Virginia Tech running back, Khalil Herbert? I don't think we touched on him in yeah, their yeah, win. Yeah, 208 yards. 208 yards on 20 carries. He's averaging over a first down every time he's touching it. Uh, that, that's really, really big numbers. And the other one that I did want to call out was John Mechie at Alabama catching the ball. So he had the five catches, 181 yards, two touchdowns. And Reggie Robertson Jr. at SMU. Like, someone's got to catch these balls. They're, put, they're putting up all these numbers. How's the stat line of five catches for 243 yards and two touchdowns? Do you know what the it's average there is? 50 yards a catch. It's a 50-yard average. <laughs> Not bad. That is good gear. Um, yeah, well done to all those guys. Uh, let's move through the back end of this with our bold predictions and on the punt as well, which I'm really looking forward to. Uh, so bold predictions first. Talk us through yours, Will, and how did you go? So I had that the Cinderella's would revert to pumpkins this week. Uh, we would see Kansas State lose after beating Oklahoma and Mississippi State lose after beating LSU. Kansas State turned around and won in a relatively tight one, but they, they beat Texas Tech, so I haven't got this right. But I was successful in predicting that Mississippi State would struggle against Arkansas. So, like, half right? Yeah, half right. Hey, that's that's... I'm going to claim half right on mine as well. I said that there would be an A&M special teams issue that would change the course of the game. Uh, this game needed to be close for that to occur, and it was 35-14 at halftime. So that was not the case. However, Seth Small, the A&M kicker, did burn the opening drive with a shocking kick that missed by a lot. Uh, but that was more of an indication of the direction the game was going to go rather than a game-changing kick. The other one that I said was BC would beat North Carolina, and I was close on that one, but no cigar. So that felt like a more of a genuine prediction than my bullshit special teams one, but I'm going to stay with my specifics anyway. Uh, okay, one more segment to go. How did we go on the punt? Yes, that pretty much sums it up accurately. Uh, we've 
We've come a cropper, unfortunately, on our <laughs> Let It Ride pick. It took all of two weeks for this to come to a head. <laughs> to be fair, this is a fairly chaotic season. So, oh, and it's taken like, how many dates have I thrown at you about this Oklahoma game to try and kind of back up why I made the prediction? History was on our side, but as we all know, none of that matters for much. We are about playing in the future, and we've had a really disappointing one. So all is not lost. Uh, we had the two predictions. We had 20 units, back talking units, on uh, Oklahoma to beat Iowa State. They were unable to do that, so those 20 units go away. Yeah. Uh, we also had four units on Ole Miss to upset Kentucky. I managed to get it at 275. So that obviously came up by the hair of me teeth. Uh, and we got an 11 unit collect. So we went in, spent 24 units, got 11 back. My math ain't great, but it seems like I lost 13 units there, which is a okay, hit. So, so what does this mean for your... Uh, we'll go, so where are you at overall first? So on the season, we're now down nine units. But... Okay. In the kitty, we still have 11 units on the back of that upset. So going okay. forward, um, I'm going to have nine units to put on one thing and two units to throw on another upset. So you're going to continue down this vein of dumping just gonna, the load into Just going to pick surer things. Don't pick the Big 12. I think that's what we're learning here. Don't pick the Big 12. That's not a bad strategy. Not a bad strategy. Okay. Uh, well, that brings us to the end of our week five recap. Gee, week five already. Uh, it was a crazy, crazy week of college football. So thank you for joining us. Hopefully we haven't vomited in your ears for too long. But if you did like the sound of it, for those people that are joining us for the first time, make sure you do subscribe to us. Make sure you do join us at Twitter and on Instagram at CFB Down On and also on Facebook at the moment as well. So Please join us on the social medias, get in touch, have a chat with us. And on behalf of that guy over there, Will Murden, my name's Aaron, and we will see you next time. Maybe we just keep playing Tusk until Alabama.